For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have things been in the guest the past few days? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Um, obviously, a bit of a better result to cheer us up, um, and I guess we'll, we'll go through that performance shortly. But, like I say, a bit better than we were after that Sheffield United game. Yes, the move should be a little bit better, shouldn't it? But um, in terms of the other two members, I've gone for a bit of rotation tonight. James has been dropped to the bench in controversial fashion. Not really, he's just a bit busy this week. But thankfully, I've always got strength in numbers. That means continuing her run in the first team is Holly. Holly, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Obviously, last night's game was, was a lot better than uh, the Sheffield one, so I'm feeling a bit better. Fantastic. And also, stretching his legs, or perhaps vocal cords, is Patrick. Patrick, it's been a little while since we spoke, but how have you been? I hope everything's well. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited and ready to go, so let's do it. Top man. Right, before we do, let's do the social media bits. Otherwise, we'll be talking into the darkness and no one will be listening. And that means we can also dissect last night and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app, where the podcast will be available each and every, well, not Tuesday morning, I guess every morning after we record there's so much football I've lost track so yes just it's always out there just find it you can of course follow us across social media we're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud etc if we're not let us know we'll get it on there and everyone's happy right let's get down to business and that business Carl is a win that was far from pretty but after Thursday's rotten showing I guess you take your wins any way you can yeah, as you say, right now, I think the win, the win's the most important thing. You know, when we look as well, a clean sheet as well. So that's always welcome, given how we've been defending lately. Um, as we say, wasn't pretty, wasn't a game of many moments or many highlights, to be honest. But right now, I think we'll take a win. It was a better showing than Sheffield United. And I guess, you know, your only hope is that you can build from here and go on and kind of finish the season off as strongly as we can. But obviously, you know, we'd be looking to put in some better, more fluid performances than that. But I say a win's a win and I'll take it. Holly, we've spoken at large about Tottenham's centre-back pairings. I guess unsurprisingly, there was a change from Thursday, one that saw Toby restored to the uh, the back four. What did you make of his first post-restart performance? I mean, the fact that we got a clean sheet, I think, says it all. Like yeah. I said, I just think Toby being in that in that centre-back partnership, whether that be with Sanchez or whether that would be with Dyer, I just think his presence is next to none. I think him being there just revitalises the squad in a sense that they know they've got an experienced centre-back there. We haven't got this new pairing of Dyer and Sanchez trying to work it out. We've actually got someone that knows exactly what they're doing and that clean sheet kind of shows. Well, Patrick, there's still no room for Ndombele. So that's something that only seems to sort of, I guess the plot seems to keep thickening with every game this happens. We spoke about this, the other three of us, last week over two episodes. So I want to get your take on the matter. What is going on with the French international? I know it's so frustrating because even if you're not in favour, at least, uh, I don't know, where do I start? It's just frustrating to me. I mean, we've got a £60 million player who's a top talent, as we all can see, and he just can't even get a run out. So... It's, you know, we've got someone who could potentially change the game, carry the ball, do magical things in that midfield and final third. But 
he's not even getting on the pitch at the moment. So, yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, he got 25 minutes um, against Sheffield United, but that wasn't a great game, was it? And then, you know, against Everton, you'd think he'd come on, change the game, do something, and Josie doesn't play him. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say, really. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We're not sure what it is. Is it fitness? Is it a lack of application? Is it a mentality thing? But it's just frustrating. We want to see him play. And we all want to see him succeed, obviously, at, at Spurs. Yeah, I mean, 60 million. Everyone's got a vested interest in this one. I think to myself, at this point, it can't surely still be fitness. There's got to be something a bit more external. Because we're now... Well, it doesn't really matter about the month. July, week 34... You can't be that unfit through the season with a massive break in the middle as well. There has to be something that we're not privy to. Whether that means he's actually out the door in the summer, who knows. But you do get the feeling that his time at this current guise and the way it's panning out is coming to an end, whether it be two months, 14 months at the end of next season. It doesn't look too good and it might be a huge bust in terms of transfer investment. But Cole, we always speak about points over performance and last night was arguably the perfect example of that. Now, we've said ourselves that you'd take 38 1-0 wins if it meant getting a Premier League title at the end of it. So I guess last night could be a glimpse into a functional but not really exciting future for us. Yeah, I think, you know, we all said before, didn't we, didn't Jose comes. And, you know, I have said to people before, if you told me we'd win 38 games 1-0, I'll snap your hand off right now. Um, obviously, you know that's not going to happen throughout the season. Um, you know, we just need to get more fluid, don't we? Um, you know, I don't think Jose knows his best side that he wants to play yet. I still think there's too much tinkering and every game, you know, someone's dropping in, someone's coming, you know, someone's dropping out, someone's coming in. And I just don't think you can get anything fluid going. You know, you've got Mora coming in. Um, then you've got, you know, Bergwijn plays the next game. And it, it's so chop and change that I don't think you can get anything going or any partnerships going or understanding going. And, and I just think, you know, if we can start getting that, we'll see some better performances. But yes, there is an element that if you guaranteed me 38 1-0 wins and there's a title in the bag, I probably would take it over, say, an expansive type of football where you're going to lose a few every week and miss out and maybe just finish within the top four. But I must admit, it's it's not very pretty to watch, is it? And I don't think you'd want to watch 38 games um, that were played out like that last night. Well, I had another question for you. I'll ask it to you now because with that in mind, the club would then walk a very dangerous line if this is our new type of Tottenham football because... You could say, yep, yeah, that's fine. Let's park the bus, grind it out. And you might get trophies at the end of a season. If you don't, then that experiment has backfired. And all you've ended up watching is a massive season of dross. And that's going to turn off people even more, isn't it, Carl? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's split on Mourinho. You know, I think the fan base, you could probably go down the middle. It's 50-50. Some are still keen and, and want to see Mourinho given time. But like as you say, Dan, if that is the football that's going to be served up week in, week out, if we're winning every week, people may have, you know, come round to the idea of like, you oh, know, yeah, it's not great, but we're, we're top of the table with, you know, seven games to go. We're in the final of the FA Cup. We're in the quarters of the Champions League or Europa League. You know, we've won a League Cup. People will put up with it. If those performances are where you're kind of seventh or eighth and the season's not been going great, 
I think that experiment ends pretty quickly because the fans will turn. There's no doubt about that. That said, Holes, I know someone on Twitter mentioned that he felt Mourinho certainly got his tactics right last night. I think you'd have to agree. Three points would suggest that also. Do fans have a right to moan that it was a bit sluggish, not stylish enough, or do you just have to accept, quite simply, that it's job done? I think now where we are, I think to pick up three points was crucial. And for people to moan, I just think it's... I don't know. I I personally wouldn't do it myself. To think of the state that we're in and for people to jump on the bandwagon with Jose and all this rubbish, I just think it's too soon. I also think he got a clean sheet. He got the job. He got the job done. What is there to moan about? And yes, I know, like watching it last night, I did fall asleep in parts because it was just boring to watch. But I thought to myself, would I rather have seen a performance that happened on Thursday against Sheffield or would I rather have got the three points? I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, for me personally, it's always take the points. I know there's, oh, but we could have done it better. But fundamentally, Patrick, points is what gets you prizes. And some people are going, well, I can't even really celebrate that as a win because it wasn't really good enough. It was so boring. But surely getting over the line, no matter what, is the most important objective of all. Exactly. I mean, right now it's business end of the season, isn't it? And with us playing, you know, we we played the last game of of our last week's match, you know, match week. So we were playing catch up to all the other teams. So three points was a must. So, yes, it wasn't pretty, but it's a results based business. We've got three points. We kept a clean sheet. That's something to build off of. So I, I, you know, yeah, we could. Of course, we'd like to see more expansive and exciting football. But I'm happy with the three points. And like Holes is saying, I'm not going to jump on the Jose outbound wagon yet because it's too early. And to be fair, he's doing a decent job with the tools that he has at his disposal. Yeah, I think anyone who's in that sort of mindset of Jose out, what do you really gain from it? Like he's not really sort of shit the bed, has he? And I know it's not been far from a perfect season. There are mitigating circumstances, but. He's not, he's not doing a great job, but he's not doing the worst job. And it's just, do you want to hit the reset button again? You've got another project. You're three, five years down the line from any success. I think at the moment, you've got to hold your cards rather than fold them. That said, Holly, in terms of the performance, overall, do you think that's now going to be the new norm? Or was that more of a case of just squeeze every inch out of the game? Because the last thing we need is another shit show like Thursday. Just get this job done. I don't care how you do it. Just play the game and win. I think, yeah, I think it was a confidence booster. I think Jose was thinking, right, if we get three points, we'll, we'll kind of win the fans over in a sense that we've got a job done. And it just gives the players a bit of a bit more confidence. I mean, that game Thursday, I can imagine, like, halfway through the game, we all know the players had lost their heads anyway. But if they were to lose again last night, I think it would have been a really big struggle to then come up against Bournemouth, I think, personally. And, yeah, I think just get the job done, be done, be gone. That's it, really. Patrick, what didn't help last night, I felt personally, I don't know about you, but Harry Kane was a little bit too busy in the wrong areas. He's dropping deep, he's dropping wide, everywhere but nowhere at the same time. Does he need a little bit more central focus at the moment? I know, uh, I saw something on Twitter earlier which made me laugh. It said if we had Harry Kane in midfield passing to Harry Kane, we'd <laughs> win the league. And it's, it's true, I mean, Harry Kane is probably our best footballer uh, in terms of the passing ability, the way he sees the pitch and everything else. I mean, saying that, that's actually a disrespect to Gio because he is, he is wonderful. But yeah, we need more Harry Kanes on the pitch. Uh, it, it does hurt us when um, he's not, you know, where he's meant to be in, in terms of a typical number nine slash striker. But I understand he wants to get involved in the game and we're not getting the ball to him. So I don't blame him for dropping deep. We need more creativity from the full-backs, the wing-backs, and obviously the midfield to bring him into the game. 
because uh, you know if he's not getting the ball in the box, more than likely he's not going to score the goals that we need to win the games. Yeah, I mean you should never punish someone for lots of effort. That's a good thing. But the fact when it is someone who's so important and he's trying to do the jobs of others, which stops him doing an even more important job, you have to sort of wonder the balance of the team and why other people aren't putting their weight. Which brings me, Cole. So your soapbox. I know you wanted to get on the soapbox tonight. So there are very few talking points from the game. One being the goal, a huge bit of luck. Although Lo Celso looked like he scored the goal, it came off Michael Keane's arse. So let's not talk about his arse. Let's talk about Lo Celso because you wanted to get on your soapbox. So the floor is yours. Yeah, it's, it's strange. You know, l- last night, I, Lo Celso really frustrated me in the sense that, you know, everything he was doing last night was just trying to be niggly. You know, if you went in for a tackle, it's that stand up with the handbags as if they're like, yeah, coming in, you want to fight, you want to fight. The, you know, the whole thing of trying to poke the guy in the eye at the throw-in. And what frustrated me with that was you see on Twitter after a little while, you know, everyone's like, oh, I love watching Geo do the, you know, shit house and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, I don't want to see that. You know, what I want to be enjoying from the guy is his performance on the pitch. And I want to see, you know, I don't want to see the fact we've already got an Argentinian that's got away with it for many years by just maybe stamping on someone's foot and, you know, kind of wind players up. And I don't particularly want to see another one of those at the club. You know, we have seen, and and this is what does crack me up on, on Twitter, you know, Spurs fans, the minute you actually be a little bit objective about one of our players, they're like, no, you don't know what you're doing, you're stupid. And they're all hiding behind their profile pictures of, you know, Lo Celso and Dembele. And you get the impression they're possibly 12-year-olds who have, you know, we all want the guy to be good. You know, we all, trust me, we all want Lo Celso to become the real deal. You know, we get it. But let's face it, at the moment, he's just been okay so far since he's come. We're seeing real signs of what could be a really good player, but he hasn't done it this season yet consistently. And, you know, just seeing lots of people say stuff about, oh, Leo, the Celso has been amazing since he's coming in and he's carried this team this season. And you're sitting again, he really hasn't. You know, he's done some good things, but he's not, you know, I'm not sure the hype that people are giving him right now is warranted. Um, and I had a look at some stats and I know, you know, we will sit there, won't we, and say stats don't tell you everything about a player. We understand that you can watch the game and see certain things. And, you know, he doesn't have to be getting assists or goals every week. But at the moment, I don't really think he's contributing in terms of us going forward as well as he should do for the hype. You know, yes, he can play some nice little passes every now and then, but so can most footballers. Most championship players can do that. You know, I want to see him having more of an impact of a game and controlling the game. You know, killer passes, a bit like De Bruyne. So I had a little look today and, you know, put some stats together for it. Oh, very nice, because, because stats do actually tell the story in some form. You know, they can't tell you everything, but they can also tell you something. And like I say, this is backed up on people giving him sort of like a 9 out of 10 so far this season, which for me is well over the top. Now... The obvious one people at the moment are comparing him against is Bruno Fernandes, um, which we know they, they do play in completely different positions in a way. You know, Lo Celso plays a little bit deeper than Bruno Fernandes, so you can't really judge them. So I had a look at some players that you could say play in midfield in a similar position. Now, when we're raving about Lo Celso, bear in mind here, 
John Shelby, Newcastle. How many people would want him in the side? But let's look at some stats here. The Celso's played 32 games this season. Some of those would have been a sub. We've got two goals and one assist. Not great, potentially, for a midfield creative player that we think we've got. John Shelby has played 21 games, scored six goals and got one assist. Jordan Henderson has played 29 games, got three goals, five assists. Jack Grealish, 31 games, seven goals, six assists. Matinho from Wolves, 33 games, one goal, six assists. Now, you know, like I say, when you're comparing those stats of those players, the Celso isn't do hasn't done as well as some of those players. And if you asked our fans, oh, John Shelby, he's really good, they'd laugh at you and say, God, you must be joking. You'd take, John, you'd take John Joe Shelby at Spurs. So, But the point is, is that, yes, we know Lo Celso's in and he looks like he's got some promise. You know, we, there is a player in there. But right now, the hype around him at the moment isn't, you know, it isn't warranted. He's done OK since coming in. That's all it is. He's done OK. And I do think he will be a good player for us. We need to get him higher up the pitch, but he does need to cut all this kind of nonsense out of worrying too much about kicking people, trying to you know, poke someone in an eye, because that isn't what I want to see him winding opposition teams up for. I want to see him winding them up because he's played three or four killer through balls, some pinpoint crosses that result in goals, or a shot that's resulted in the winner or a free kick that's curled in beautifully. That's what I want to see him winding people up for. And I was just very frustrated, the fact that lots of people last night seemed more impressed by the fact that he was trying to wind players up more than what he actually does with the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, really frustrated me last night because every time I saw him and the camera was on him, he was trying to have verbals or push and shove with people. And I just don't want to see that from him. Right, that's the case for the prosecution. Holly, you can act as the case for the defence because we spoke about the Celso and his output on Thursday saying that if you look past the numbers, there is a player there. But how do we get more out of him? Is it pushed up to a number 10? And more importantly, how does he increase his output? Where do we get goals and assists out of the Argentine? I can definitely see what Carl's saying. I'm probably one of the people that do big him up quite a lot, but... I think to myself, what else have I got to big up? Like, there's nothing else at the moment that really excites me apart from the potential of La Celso. I mean, luckily for me, I'm not one of the 12-year-olds that hide behind the profile <laughs> picture. But, um, but yeah, I probably am guilty of that. But I, I literally, nothing else excites me. Like, Bergwin does excite me a little bit, but then we could have the same argument with him. Like, for me, I think to get the best out of him would probably be to push him up the pitch. But I also think it's to get that right combination at the moment, like we said, each week it chops and changes. Jose still hasn't found the right combination. I think maybe pushing him up the pitch and trying to find that right combo is the best way to get the best out of him. Patrick, do you think he gets perhaps too much leeway because he is a flashy Argentine and he's not John Joe Shelby? Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, like you said, sometimes the eye test is a brilliant thing. Forget the stats. And we can all see Gio is a, is a player. He's got the talent. But even um, a few years ago, I was saying that John Joe Shelby is a talent because you can see when you watch the game, you can see he can he can control games, he can string passes along. I mean, John Joe Shelby is probably one of the best long long ball passes I've seen in the Premier League. Uh, but going back to to Gio, I think we'll get the best out of him if we actually get a real defensive midfielder 
like a real defensive midfielder, like a boss. Uh, that way, Gio can be pushed up and uh, he can obviously play more in an attacking um, part of the pitch. Because right now, I think he's dropping too deep to get on the ball to create. So, you know, we're taking away some of his uh, creativity because he's too far down uh, the pitch. I just want to add, if you are 12 and you want to send hate mail, it's going to, it's going to Carl this week. Not me, that's Carl. Just want to clarify that. Right. Like I say, I, I would like to point out, I do like him. I just think it's really funny on Twitter because if you're critical of a player, people just automatically assume, you know, you don't like him or that. We can be objective, which is, you know, I do like the guy. I do think there's potential there. But, you know, those that are saying he's a 9 out of 10, a 9.5 out of 10 so far this season, are just you're just sitting there thinking, come on. Take the Tottenham spectacles off, you know, the tinted blue glasses. Just be objective and be realistic in your football and say, yeah, he's done okay. You know, people that tell me, yeah, he puts a shift in. Yeah, well, you know, not before, there's lots of players that can put a shift in. I want a little bit more than that. You know, it's a minimum. You know, as Roy Keane would say, do me a favour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what Patrick said earlier is a real key and where we're missing a trick. He needs to be playing in that number 10 role. And this is why I can't believe we're leaving Undembele sitting on the bench. Because to me, I would put Undembele in the centre and move Gio further just behind Harry Kane and let, you know, Undembele do that work and give him the ball in more advanced positions. Because there is a player there, that's for sure. But it's certainly not the height we're seeing so far. Well, at the moment, we're closer to the Argentine Tom Carroll, really, aren't we? It's just sort of neat, tidy, does a job and all that. But, you know, it's just you need that little bit of a push. Nine out of ten is no way. I think a fairer assessment, seven, really. But it is objective. That's part of the debate. It's all good to chat. But I think people need to just temper their expectations just a little bit. Hopefully next season he will kick on. Talking of kicking on, or kicking off, shall I say, Holly, the big flashpoint, end of the first half. Lloris and Son having a set two. Due to Sun not tracking back after Richardson's effort, so what did you make of that? Is it a good thing, or should verbals be saved for the dressing room? I mean, I loved it. I mean, it showed there was a bit of fight and a bit of passion there, rather than me sit there thinking, "Why are you not having a go at him for the Sheffield game?" Like he's actually decided to grow a pair and say, "Look, hang on a minute, mate, do your job," because everybody else is trying to do it. I think it was good. Okay, maybe it didn't look very professional that it was in front of everyone on the telly but I think sometimes footballers just need to do that to actually show actually we're not we're not puppets here we are actually trying to play football and actually do well for you I think Lloris said in his um, interview afterwards he says we don't deserve to drop any more points and I think that really symbolised and backed up what he said to Sonny I think that really shows that they're not just trying to play football and just say, oh, OK, it's nearly the end of the season. We'll just kind of push on but not really put any effort in. He's actually showing the intent that, actually, no, we want to get some points on the board. We don't want to be the, the team that's remembered for sacking their manager, getting someone else in and then still playing poor for the rest of the season. So I think it was a good thing. Patrick, you wouldn't want to say that every week, but the fact we've seen it, you know, there is something to take positive from because you think, yeah, actually, there's a bit of fire here and they've learned a lesson from Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Like Holes was like Holes was saying, I actually didn't see anything wrong with it. It was the captain getting into, and the fact that it was Son as well, I really liked that because Son is obviously one of our star players. But Hugo called him out. He wasn't putting in 
the right amount of effort. Uh, and he didn't take accountability for Ray Charleston running through and almost scoring just before the halftime whistle, which would have definitely knocked the wind out of our sails. So Hugo pulled him aside, obviously had a word. Like Hugo was saying at the end of the uh, of the game, the post match interview, which I think he handled really well. Sometimes you know emotions get the best best of you, and you just got to tell the player how it is when it happens. So yeah, I loved it. Um, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen again because people are pulling their weight. But it is good to see that you know they're getting pulled up, and um, yeah, someone standing up and and showing some passion because on Thursday we didn't see that at all. Everyone was a shrinking violet. Where uh, yesterday's performance, we saw a few people you know, take some pride in, in what was going on. Cole, after the game, Mourinho was interviewed. Obviously, this came up in discussion. He said it was actually his fault. Is that him, I guess, trying to take some responsibility for it and also perhaps taking the sting out of the situation? Yeah, I think so. It's just that that's typical Mourinho, isn't it? You know, I think he, he what he was trying to say was obviously I've wound these players up because I was asking for a reaction and I wanted to see something more from them. Um, so obviously they're probably all a little bit more pumped. Um, but, you know, if you're Hugo, I don't think you can really win, can you? Because lots of times during his captaincy so far, you've had people saying, oh, I don't really think he's a great captain. You know, we need a leader out on the pitch. And people will actually, you know, kind of give you names like, oh, I want to see someone that would do things like what Roy Keane would do and get people going. Well, that was the kind of thing Roy Keane would have done. You know, he would have gone and pulled a player if they weren't pulling their weight and said to him, like, come on, you need to start, you know, doing, you know, putting your effort in. You nearly cost us a goal right there. And as we've said, you know, you don't want to see that every week. But I think given what happened on Thursday at Bramall Lane, I think that was just a show and, you know, them wanting to actually really make it clear. It's like, look, we are fighting for this. You know, we have got some bottle. We are going to put it in and we ain't afraid to kind of set some expectations on one another. And I think it was probably needed and it probably helped to get us going again for the second half because the danger was with obviously Everton, they, you know, we thought, well, thought they couldn't play much worse. They didn't come out and play much better. But we know... We can be slow starters in the second half. And obviously, if Everton kind of got one back, you could have seen that going a little bit, you know, getting a little bit ugly. So I think that also probably gave everyone the kick up the arse just to make sure that they come out in the second half, still fighting, still doing what they wanted to do. And that probably helped get us the result in the end. Well, it almost does your team talk for you, really, doesn't it, from a manager's point of view? But Holly, if we look at Sun, with him answering back... Should he have done that or should he have said, actually, yeah, do you know what? It is my bad. I should have tracked back. And there's really no argument to be had between either player. I think so, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think tensions were quite high there. He obviously thought he didn't really do anything wrong. And like, if it was me, I'd probably say something back. That's just maybe that's just how he is sort of thing. He wants to stick up for himself. But it seems afterwards they kind of made up. So maybe they just needed to cool down a bit and have that chat in the changing room. Well, Patrick, if we extend Sun to his performances post-restart, They've not been great, if we're being honest. I guess he's in one of those slightly infrequent or perhaps too regular at times bad patches that he tends to have. Because as good as he can be, he can be a little bit streaky at the same time. Exactly that. I mean, when Son's on form, he's magical, isn't he? You know, he just picks the ball up. He can shoot unexpectedly from any anywhere on the pitch. He can find a killer pass. You know, he can run out plays. He's electric. But since the restart, he has been a bit patchy, hasn't he? And we've not really seen the best of him. But again, is that is that because we're not giving him the service he requires? I don't know. It's um, it's a bit of you know 
this and there. So I'm not too sure what to think of it. I mean, uh, yesterday's game, he did run out the Everton defence a bit more uh, frequently than he did against, you know, uh, Sheffield. But again, we haven't really seen the best of him since, you know, like you said, since um, since the lockdown or since the restart. I think a lot of it, or some of it at least, is the fact that he is viewed as much more as a threat by opposition teams now and there's a lot more doubling up. So his role or his job has become a little bit harder. So we shouldn't be too critical, but I guess the fact that his bar is quite high and he's not hitting those heights again, you then sort of think, well, actually, what's going on here? So he needs to find a performance, but once he does, it usually swings back quite quickly and then you get a good run of goals and games. So hopefully there's something around the corner, maybe even as near as Thursday. That said, Cole, if we look at the other end of a streak, a cold streak, Lucas. Now, I know there's that night in Amsterdam and all that, but really, if we are going to revive our fortunes as a club going forwards, let's say next season, sacrifices are going to have to be made somewhere along the line. And you would think he might just have to be one of the players for that to happen. Yeah, I've said before, you know, Lucas's whole Spurs career will just be that one night in Amsterdam, I think, when you look back at it. You know, it'd be like, oh, do you remember Lucas Moray? Oh, Amsterdam, brilliant. Nothing else around that will be thought of, just that one game. He's too streaky. Again, his problem is, you know, he's a one-in-five player who, you know, against Huddersfield, you could be two up and he'll score you a hat-trick. Brilliant. But when it's nil-nil in a tight game, he's not going to suddenly bring you through. Um, you know, like I say, he is just a one-in-five player. And unfortunately, when you want to be at the, you know, the higher end of the table, you need players that are more consistent. Um, he does like to run into channels where other players are taking the space. You know, we saw the prime example was Sheffield United seemed to keep almost getting in the way of runs and, and blocking off a pass. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think we'll see him moved on at all, you know, and he's probably a decent player to have around in the squad because, you know, coming off the bench, he could give you a good impact. But right now, I find it baffling that we're picking him over Bergwijn. You know, for me, you know, Stephen Bergwijn came in with a bang, scored a couple of goals, got a penalty at Villa. He was flying high. You know, he comes back, scores that goal against Man United. So you're just thinking, just leave this guy in there and let him find his feet and let him continue the way he's going um, because you're seeing something really good. And yet, I, you know, I guess this is Mourinho's problem, isn't it? Sometimes he reverts to that type of, oh, I'll go with the player I know a little bit more. Um, and for me, we, we should be having Stevie out there all day ahead of Lucas at the moment. Um, but I, I would keep Lucas right now because I think given the summer that we're probably going to have, he could be at least half decent coming off the bench and you should be able to play him in some of those games against, say, the, the relegation fodder sides. But when you're coming up against the big boys, you need someone who does it a little bit more often than him. Yeah, I think his role needs to change within the club. Like you say, he might be a decent impact sub, but really, if you look at his career, if we're being kind, there's that night in Amsterdam... There's a two-go haul at Old Trafford and a hatchery against Huddersfield. They're the only real decent games I can really think of off the top of my head. There may be more. Hate mail again is welcome. But I just I don't think he does it enough for me. Of course, that's not like he has to leave the exit door. It's not as black and white as that with every player. Just because you're not hitting it nine out of tens every week doesn't mean you have to automatically be sold. But I just do feel if Tottenham are going to really kick on and evolve under Mourinho, that's one player or position that might need to be improved. Going back to the game itself, though, Holly... Although we kept a clean sheet, that should be celebrated, of course. Let's not take that away. 
Everton were as blunt as a duvet last night. They could have played for 194 minutes and not scored. So you would imagine Arsenal at the end of the week will provide a much sterner test. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's going to be a different ball game altogether. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be fabulous, but I also think to myself at the moment, you can't really predict much from Tottenham. Like, we might have a, a crazy game against Bournemouth where we actually push on a bit. I mean, like last night, there was glimpses of some sort of link-up play. Obviously, Sonny was kind of get back on, like um, Patrick's already mentioned as well, that he was trying to run at players last night. He did have a couple of shots. So you never know. Bournemouth, we might manage to get some good goals behind us. I don't know whether that'd be 100%. And then maybe that just give a bit more confidence against Arsenal. But like you said, like Arsenal at the moment are flying. As much as that pains me to say it, they are having a good run at the minute and maybe it will come to... I don't know, bite us on the bum, maybe. Who knows? But if we stay on an Everton tip, Patrick, a former Spur, Gilfie Sigurdsson, rather ineffectual last night, and he got a lot of pelters from Gary Neville. So <laughs> I know I know he's ex-Spurs, but do you think now he's sort of 30, are we seeing the end of his best days, or are we all there, sort of, are we there already in terms of the Icelandic's talents? Yeah, I mean, Siggy, God, Neville killed him, didn't he? When yeah. he said that he bottled out of that challenge and then he just said, I couldn't get it out of my head. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he literally killed him. So, yeah, Siggy didn't have the best of games yesterday, did he? And um, this season, I don't really recall him doing much. Every time I've watched Everton, he's not really stood out for me. Where a couple of seasons ago, I was even saying to some of my friends, why did we sell him? I, I wish, you know, we should have kept him. But, yeah, it just looks like he's faded um, quite drastically this year. Not really seeing. It looks like he's lost a bit of his motivation. If I'm being honest, he's lost a bit of that hunger and that edge. And uh, as you know, at this level, if, even if you lose it by ten percent, it shows on the pitch. So yeah, maybe it is. You know, maybe maybe it is the end of Siggy at the top top level. Carl, why? Do you... I, I don't know what you guys. Sorry, Dan. I don't know what you guys thought as well. I couldn't believe he avoided a booking within about the first minute and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. With that handball, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> could not believe he got away without being booked for that incident because it's the most blatant handball you'll see and it's like right that should be a yellow card straight away no play on I couldn't believe it given the injustice we'd suffered the week before you're just thinking well there's a yellow card and if he puts a tackle in a little bit later you could have a bloke who's off the pitch but shocking decision that one well now you've mentioned it Cole let's run with that theory because you know how I mentioned on Thursday how if you get booked you all of a sudden have like three minutes of immunity and you can't get booked and sent off because it was so early is that an example of referee going, oh, I don't want to get my cards out this early? He sort of almost got away with it because it was so early in the game. Yeah, I think so. I think purely, it must it was within about the first two minutes, yeah. wasn't it? So I guess you're thinking the referees, well, oh, I don't want to book someone straight away. But the fact of the matter is, is that, oh, hold on, blatant handball is a yellow card offence. So it doesn't matter whether it happens within the first 10 seconds or, you know, the last, the last second of a game. It's a booking offence. And like I say, that could have been a booking that if Everton play well and he's on fire, but suddenly then, you know, just at the start of the second half, puts another naughty tackle in, he's off and the game swings. And it, it's little things like that that I say, especially when you've been so aggrieved the week before, like we were, you just want to see these sort of things, you know, done properly, don't you? And, and I felt that was shocking to be honest. If, you know, if you're an adjudicator watching that game, you'd have to ask the question, well, what happened here? Why, why was there no yellow card there? But it would be, well, it was two minutes into the game. If I book him then, I've got to start booking everyone after that. 
Yeah. Oh no, it's too much effort. I don't want to, don't want to get the cards out that early. <laughs> yeah. But um, Carl, one last Guilfi Sigerson based question. He's getting quite a lot of airtime tonight. But for you, why did it never really work for him at White Hot Lane? Yeah, it's interesting. I think like Patrick said, you know, there was a little period of time where I thought I didn't want to see him go. And then you thought, oh, I'd bring him back right now, the way he's playing. You know, if you could get him back in the side, him and Ericsson together. But maybe, unfortunately, his time was around the Ericsson breaking through and you kind of then couldn't really afford to have two of those players in the side. Um, and, it just, yeah, it just never really seemed to happen for him in a Spurs shirt, did it? You know, he scored a couple of screamers um, for us, one, I think, against Hull in the League Cup that was, you know, a magical strike that we knew he could do. But, yeah, it was a shame because I think he was a player who probably should have achieved a lot more than he has done. And talking of midfield, Holly, another combo last night, one that saw Sissoko and Winks paired together. I thought it worked well. Admittedly, not the biggest test for either player, but certainly one of the better pairs we've had since the restart. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, it wasn't perfect, but I kind of see it developing into something. I think just having Winks in there, apart from his backwards sideways passings now and again, um, and his, his sometimes forward passes, I think it's just a bit more stability. I think at the moment, while we don't have that out-and-out CDM or someone in there that can just slot in there, I think it's that's a Soko and Winks link, I think at the moment it's probably going to be our best option. Like I said, it allows Geo to go forward a little bit just because having Winks there, you think to yourself, actually, okay, he's not the most physical person, but he'll put a tackle in or he might make a foul that'll stop the runner play. Just him being there, in a sense, is just another body. And Patrick, when you look at Sissoko, let's be honest, it took quite a while for his Tottenham career to get going. You know, there's a lot of stick for him early doors. 30 million, oh my God. Now, you look at him... Is he the kind of blueprint for Ndombele that it's not too late to think, oh, no, this is a bust. Things can come good if you are a little bit patient at the same time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and even Suzoko came out uh, last week and said that, you know, uh, Ndombele can learn off my start at Spurs. And, you know, you know, uh, Suzoko's French speaking, allegedly he's taken him under his wing and has told him that you can make a success of yourself if you put the work in. But to be fair, I mean, we're hearing a lot of rumours, aren't we, that Ndombele wants to leave and, you know, he's saying that he wants to uh, go at the end of the season, there's no way back. But if we weren't hearing the rumours, would we be as worried? That's probably my question. I know he's not getting the game time. I don't, you know, none of us know why, but there's there's no doubt Ndombele can be a success. Um, but he has to obviously get on the pitch first. Um, and then, you know, we take it from there. But yeah, the fact that um, Suzoko was... Chain, you know, the uh, one over all the fans shows that it can happen. Uh, and Endobele has a lot more talent than Suzoko. So I'm still optimistic. Well, still got my fingers crossed. Yeah, you've got to be really, because I know what will happen. If we did sell him in the summer, name the club, he'd be absolutely fantastic, hit the ground running. So, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's 60 million. And you think, hang on, we've got a dud here. But there's almost too much of a good player waiting to break out. And we could really reap the benefits next season. Whether Mourinho feels the same, I don't know. The thing is, none of us really know. We're not sort of privy to any conversation. It is all conjecture, and there is a lot of noise at the moment. And like you say, Patrick, it doesn't help because, you know, rumour, counter-rumour, it just keeps swirling, and you think, well, hang on, we're going to lose him. But we'll know much more in, say, three to four months when the next season starts. Hopefully get some game time between now and the end of the season. Hopefully, Cole, it's Thursday because the action comes thick and fast, and we're off to the seaside as we travel to Bournemouth. So, Cole, five straight defeats for the Cherries, that means Dr. Tottenham has his pager ready for the beat. <laughs> I say 
incoming a Josh King and Callum Wilson masterclass <laughs> on Thursday. Uh, no, you surely like to sit there, don't you, and think even Spurs, even the mighty Spurs can't go there and put in a you know the, the, the most special Dr. Tottenham performance I think we'd ever see. You would like to think that, you know, Bournemouth now I think had gone. I think mentally they're shot. Um, you know, the manager looks done. There's no ideas there. We should be going there and brushing these aside. I don't think it'll be pretty. Again, I don't expect to suddenly see us win five or six nil. Um, but I'd like to see at least a convincing kind of two nil victory where we look a little bit more fluid, a little better. I wouldn't. I would. You know, would like to think they won't cause us too many problems. But now we've all just now just gone and said that. You do know we will see the most spectacular Dr. Tottenham performance we've ever seen. Well, I hope not. Holly, off the back of Monday's performance, do you think there will be a little bit more urgency this time? Because I guess we've gone a little way, not a lot of a way, to repairing the damage from Thursday. There's still a lot of strides to go, but at least now there's a platform to build on. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, I think that was a massive confidence booster last night. And I think, like we've all said, like, Sheffield was a game where I lost my head afterwards and I didn't even want to talk about Tottenham. Like It completely like destroyed me, just the fact that there was nothing there. And to think if we go to Bournemouth have and had the same attitude after if we lost last night, it would have been insane. And I think, yeah, I think there will be a bit more conviction. Like We saw glimpses of it last night and hopefully against a side like Bournemouth that are completely destroyed. They're pretty much down and out. We should at least, like Kyle said, score at least two with a, with a bit more like pizzazz about us a bit more look we can put passes together we can find gaps in behind it's got to be done surely and Patrick Jose Mourinho has come down with a cold he's put you in charge are you making any changes to uh, Monday night or are you sticking with the same 11 I would put Endombele in he has to start for me I'd just love to see him actually get you know at least 60 minutes under his belt start a game and see what he does and definitely I'm changing Lucas Moura for um, Stevie B Stevie Burgeon has to start over Mora as well, in my opinion. I'd keep the same back four. Um, yeah, so th- those would be the only changes. Yep, I'd agree with that, Patrick. I think that's the only changes you need to make. Also, it allows the uh, squad to be a little bit more fresh with Sunday in mind. Then again, actually, there might even be more wholesale changes with Sunday in mind, Carl, because you think, actually, no disrespect to Bournemouth, there is a bigger game on the horizon. Yeah, I think right now we just need to keep the momentum going. So, you know, obviously we want Kane to start scoring again and you'd like to think this could be a perfect game for him to get a goal at least. You know, again, like we've said, Sonny, you know, if he can get going and and the guys were right, you know, last night he he showed he was running a little bit more at the Everton defence. So, again, I'd like to see him given another game so that he can maybe try and get himself in the groove for Sunday. I'm with Patrick. I would, you know, I would bring Winks out and put Ndombele in. I would then be pushing Lacelso much further forward behind Kane. Bergwijn comes in for me for Lucas, and I keep the same back four. I think right now, when you consider the guy, they're not going to be doing much training now. You know, when the games are coming this thick and fast, you're basically playing, then recovering, playing again, recovering, and playing again. So. I don't want to see too many changes other than those couple we've mentioned. And I'd like to think this could be a perfect opportunity for some of those players to get themselves back in the groove, ready for for Arsenal coming at the weekend, because that is going to be a different game altogether. Holly, are you happy to sign off on that 11 then? Yeah, I'm in agreement. 
can't speak. I'm in agreement. I, I don't think there's anything else I would change, personally. Like we said, we want to build on confidence, be ready for that North London derby on Sunday. Right, before we sign off, let's chuck in some predictions for Thursday. So, Patrick, I'll start with you. What's going to be the score at the Vitality? 3-0. He's gone big. I like it. Holly, yourself? Every time I predict a win, it's a loss. Um, but I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go a 2-0 win. Good work. Carl, what about you? Well, do you know what? I, I think we're going we, you know, to put us through the ringer. I think we're probably going to concede first, but then win the game 2-1 comfortably. Yeah, I like the, well, I don't like the sound of it, but I think we'll concede first, but then I think we'll find a couple of gears and I think we'll win 3-1 in the end. So that will set us up very nicely for Sunday. We won't do predictions for that one. I don't want to jinx it, but we will be back with an episode on Monday for that one. But, Cole, I believe we're going to be doing an episode straight after Thursday night showing at Bournemouth. We are, and I tell you now, it could be the ultimate meltdown pod if things don't go the way they should do, shouldn't it? <laughs> it's either going to be ridiculous or sublime. We don't know yet, but you have to wait till Thursday for that one. So, let's do the admin, which is just as simple as thanking my three guests tonight. Holly, another cracking effort as always. Cheers, thank you. I love coming on, so thank you again for asking. No problem, Holly. Patrick, top work, and thanks as always, mate. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me once again. Love it, love it, love it. No problem. And Cole, rest those legs because on Thursday we're going to do it again. So keep yourself fresh. I look forward to chatting to you soon. Definitely, mate. Look forward to Thursday as well. Top man. Right. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.